From runasradio.com, you're listening to As Radio, the internet audio talk show for IT professionals with Richard Campbell. This is Brandon Wen announcing show number 625, Taming the Hoarders with guest Stephanie Donahue, recorded Thursday, January 10th, 2019. Run As Radio is produced each week by Pwop Productions, providing professional media and podcasting services online at pwop.com. You can follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash runasradio. Thank you, Brandon. This is Richard Campbell, and thanks for listening to Run As Radio. Today I'm here with Stephanie Donahue, who, and let me read this bio, almost 20 years of experience in the IT sector. Stephanie is a leader, an innovator, and a skilled problem solver. She has a passion for technology and innovation that led her to co-found the Pate Group. And Stephanie believes that technology can minimize risk and maximize business growth and potential. I'm not going to argue with you there. And she's a recognized member of the SharePoint community, where she speaks, writes, and organizes Office 365 and SharePoint events, both locally and nationally. And I, I asked you at the be- right off the top when we first connected, because I, I don't think we've formally met before, but we've all been at the same shows together. So we must have met somewhere. So thank you for coming on the show. It's, I, I'm amazed you haven't been on before. I'm, I'm even embarrassed. Well, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. And hello, everybody. You know, I've kind of been stalking your feed a little bit and seeing who else that you've had on. And uh, I kind of laughed because I saw you just had Gareth Gudger on. Yes. Yeah. And him and I used to work together back in the day, like, I don't know, almost 10 years ago now. So I, you have... Good company here on on the show. Oh yeah, and Gareth's my go to for exchange. And um, one of the thing reasons I reached out to you was this title, this taming the hoarders, which I presume we're going to come at from a sort of internet SharePoint perspective. But over in the exchange world, I mean, people use exchange boxes like it's a file system. It's cr- so crazy. Yes, and I actually I I do a session on that as well, and uh, it's a screenshot. The first slide is a screenshot of mailboxes that have thousands and thousands of emails, oh. and part of that is one of the hoarding topics that I talk about. Right, it's very easy to just let everything sit in there. And I, I do want to read a comment from a past show, and this is I know your first show, so this is not a show that you did, but this is okay. a show I did with Susan Hanley, uh, five seventy one, back in February of twenty eighteen. And we were really talking about the internet in 2018. It was the beginning of the year and sort of where are we? And it's I really much along the same lines. And Dusty has this awesome comment. He says, this is a great show. I work at a large international bank. And one of my loves of our intranet is the collaborative site provided by Jive Software. It has a fantastic search, allows for public and private groups, has blogs, polls, and so much more. The tool has been a lifesaver for finding obscure people, products, processes, around the company that I never would have found before. So obviously, big organization. Uh, For example, our .NET engineering team is based out of Europe, and monthly I see updates from them. Before this software was rolled out, I didn't even know we had a .NET engineering team. (laughs) It also allows me to follow my favorite people in the organization for their updates. I am so much more up-to-date than ever before. Before the software, I was usually a year or two behind the IT standards that were changing. Now I usually know the same day when something large and important has happened. I highly recommend this type of software for any organization. And Susan hit on a very good point of the gatekeepers as well. And I'm sure you and I are going to have to talk about gatekeepers. I have worked on many teams with the knowledge bases. The only successful knowledge base I've ever seen is in a company where anybody at any level at any time could make changes. We religiously kept that information up to date because it was easy and there was nobody to stop us. Once in a while, wrong information did end up in the knowledge base, but it was usually quickly corrected. 
Thanks so much for the show. And I just appreciate Dusty's sentiment here about when you've had the experience of a great collaborative space for your company, a place to stay in contact and to understand what's going on. It's a rush. You can see the enthusiasm in his, in his comment. It's just hard yeah. to get there. And I'm, I'm wondering if hoarding's almost like the anti-pattern of that. I think the struggle is that people want to do what's easy mm-hmm, and what's mm-hmm. familiar to them. And so that's really where something like, you know, it's Teams now and SharePoint and you know, I have my own opinions about Jive. I may be biased, you know, towards the Microsoft stack. Sure. Um, but when when you've had a positive experience like that, it makes you more open to trying new things and to engaging in a way um, where everyone can kind of work out loud. And it definitely takes a little time to adjust to that. And I think that's that's probably one of the bigger challenges is just getting that mindset together um, because I think there's a, a lot of folks that have been around. They have all this experience in the work industry, but they they didn't kind of come up through their career working in that way. Right. They kind of did their own thing. They had their silo and they protected their information. It's that whole CYA behavior, yeah. right? Well, I need to have it for me and make sure that, you know, I've got what I need. Um, but that doesn't necessarily help anyone else on the team have what they need to get access to. I love that term, work out loud. Because I like a lot of folks don't. That It's very internalized. It's almost kind of private. And when they can sort of reveal and, and sort of give commentary to the, what they're doing. It helps everyone. There are generational gaps there in terms of attitude about that. For sure. You know, uh, my kids share everything. They're on social media. They share everything about everything they do, and it's second nature to them. There's yeah. no reason for them to feel like they need to protect. And that has its own challenges, yeah. honestly. Um, but on the, on the flip side of the spectrum, you've got folks that don't work that way and that didn't kind of grow up with that technology. And so they're kind of starting to learn, well, how do I share? What do I share? What's private? What's not? And it's a very different mindset to kind of blend the two together in the same work environment is um, interesting. Absolutely true. Hey, Dusty, thank you so much for your comment. I think you're kicking our show off really well. And a Run As Radio mug is on its way to you. And if you'd like a Run As Radio mug, write a comment on the website at runasradio.com or on any of the social media. We publish every show, Facebook and LinkedIn. And if you comment there and I read it in the show, I'll send you a Run As Radio mug. And Steph, you're going to get one too. Awesome. And that was going to be my next question. Oh, no. And, and we, I now make them in 11 colors. They're all the Metro colors from back in the day. So you, uh, I think the current record holder, Dave, has four of them. So now, wait. are you going to update the colors? You know, we just had to update on logos at Microsoft. So yeah, this whole Metro thing, the icons are all shifting. So SharePoint is now um, kind of a teal color instead uh. of blue. So I have to keep an eye on that. Yeah, I'm not doing it. I, I, I <laughs> you know the. The run as site is laden with with sysadmin gags. Like all the underscores are actually working alt keys, and like there's a bunch of stuff hidden in that site. And so, but you know, I originally was thinking about having the site built like it looked like Win three one, but Metro is retro enough. Like that makes me happy, and uh, and it did make for a nice set of mugs. So I'm going to stay with that so far. Someday somebody's going to get all eleven. I have seen all eleven together exactly once when we were testing them, and then I'll make a twelfth. It'll be like black and gold or something. I don't know. We'll figure it out. So I have my challenge set ahead of me now. So I only got to make a, a. I have a couple of guests that have got have done those kinds of numbers to show me. Mark Manassi, you know, has been on the show many many times, and and uh, but that's before I had mugs. So I think he's only got one. <laughs> Uh, we got to get to work because I, I think it's such a powerful subject, and and uh, and I'm really interested in your approach to to w- how we manage this as IT people without being the bad person. 
where we typically start the conversation is just about where are your pain points? Mm -hmm. I think that the biggest mistake we make as IT folks is that we come in with this great technology and we're like, you should use it. And they don't understand why. Mm -hmm. um, the, the end user kind of pushes back, oh, well, you're IT and you think everything's great. And, you know, we don't, we try not to implement technology for the sake of tech. Right. We try to implement it in a way that makes sense for the business. So that conversation really shouldn't begin with, well, this is how we're going to fix your problems, right? We're going to give you SharePoint or we're going to give you Teams. It really starts with, you know, what's what's painful in your day? How do we sit down with you and and say, what what are you struggling with? What what do you need that you can't find every day? And try to work through real life scenarios that they can relate to so that they have a reason to go to the, to, to new things, to collaborate in new ways. Because um, without that reason, you really lack the buy-in to get that change to start. I kind of wonder if the idea of I can't find what I'm looking for even surfaces in the first ask of that question. There's so many other problems that I think that go top of mind in there. Like, what kind of responses do you get when you ask that? Well, we, we, <laughs> I guess we try to focus on, um, you know, it, it isn't really about search for them. It's mm -hmm. about um, how do I get my job done faster? Right. And how do I get answers from everyone else? And, and that's kind of where it starts. And it's cyclical, right? So if I get my information out where others can find it, then I'm not having to respond to the same question over and over and over and provide the same information in the same attachment on the same email, right? I mean, I think HR is probably one, right? You ask the same benefits information over and over. Right. What if that existed in a place where everyone could just find it? That makes your day easier. You're getting more accomplished because you're not doing redundant tasks. And so that's really where we try to start with a conversation um, because that's helping them get through their day easier. Yeah, I don't think anybody's going to argue with the "I really want more" email in my inbox. But <laughs> the idea that we you actually we had a customer that we asked them, "What do you want from this intranet?" They, they've never they had never had an intranet before. Mm -hmm, this mm -hmm. is this this year. Well, I guess it's 2019 now. So 2018, they had never had an intranet in place. And we said, what do you want to get from this? And they said, number one, less email. Number two, less email. <laughs> number three, less email. Yes. Like, got it. Okay. Um, so definitely, and, and, you know, it is rare to not have ever had an intranet at this point, but even those that have it still struggle with that problem. Well, and certainly answering the same question over and over again, like stuff. And, and I also, it's not just the email, it's the gatekeeping effect of I send this mail and now I must wait as opposed to being able to get your answer when you need it. Yeah. And you're, you're definitely prone to, um, uh, kind of silos of information then. Right. right. And, and if, when you start hoarding information, then you become the only person who can give that answer. Whereas if you're sharing that information, maybe somebody else came across it and now they're able to help someone and they don't need to engage you as well. So it really helps everyone be more productive because everybody likes to take vacation and not have to be bothered by questions and things while they're out of the office. So when you can provide those kind of incentives, like, Hey, wouldn't it be great to not have to answer anything while you're out? This is another benefit of having that information available. I've, I've worked in organizations where one of our missions for anyone going on vacation is that their inbox isn't destroyed while they're away. Like just that idea that you're not punished for taking a, a couple of weeks off. Right. And it shouldn't be punishment, but I, I think we all still kind of live in a space where it 
that may be the case. We're working our way out of it. Yeah, I think it's worth it's worth trying. So is, is this purely the, the psychological effort of understanding people's problems and trying to find solutions that make them hoard data less? That's absolutely the approach that we take. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you can hit home with the person and get them to understand your mission, um, to do that, to get their buy-in, if, if you're helping them with their everyday work life, um, they're, they're going to be loyal. And then you take those wins and you don't even have to do as much promotion because when, the, when it clicks for them, they're going to go sell that technology or that product for you, regardless of what it is you're rolling out. If, if the people start to buy into it, it becomes less of an IT message and more of a, a just kind of a grassroots effort. Hey, we did this and it's awesome. You've got to go try it. And you're, as a user, you're far more likely to believe the person who sits next to you than the IT guy or IT girl or person, I guess, <laughs> who right. comes to your desk and says, you need to do this because I said so. Um, so, so that effort really makes a huge difference. Well, in the example we provided of HR, if HR's response to those questions is to send links to where that information is available, rather than just to send the information. So they you, they are selling your that that tool f- for you. Absolutely. The is does the tool actually matter at this point? Like if you've really got buy in, they'll use anything. Mm, I think the quality of the product matters. Um, uh, you know, being a Microsoft person, certainly I'm biased as far as what the tool is. But I think not all tools are created equally. Mm-hmm. Um, the ones that have the mobile interface, the ones that have the the apps available, um, the things that are are very modern looking. I mean, the the adoption of Microsoft Teams has been fast, dramatic, impactful. Do you know it take it takes us a fraction of the time to get people to adopt Teams than mm. it did SharePoint. And SharePoint's a great product, but it kind of didn't look that great. There's something called visual rhetoric that talks about like how you feel when you look at something and SharePoint always had that feel of going, ugh, yeah, well, <laughs> what do that, I do with this thing? There was sort of a sense of clutter. I think it was, I've, I've seen people who've built SharePoint sites, especially internal ones that were delightful, but it was a concerted effort. The default look of SharePoint is a busy file folder. Like it's confusing and, and yeah, it's not delightful. Yeah, and it's not it's not that easy to understand or use, and it, it would just become a file share, like a web-based file share. Right. And with the implementation of Teams, we had people coming back. The first time we rolled it out, our, our first big customer rollout, they came back to us after a couple of weeks, and they demoed to us and said, we did this, and we did this, and I created my own, and da-da-da, and we went, whoa, this is big. This is going to be a big deal. Um, because we, that's never that doesn't typically happen in a SharePoint scenario um, because of the complexities behind it. So you know, I do think the type of tool matters, how easy it is for the user to understand, and of course the mobile access, being able to pull something up on your phone, get the push notifications. Everybody's kind of used to that in their personal life. Um, so I think that piece of it also becomes important too. Is it comfortable for me to use? Is it in all the places that I need it to be? And are you seeing like the mobile demand is is key? Tablet demand, is that big as well? We see that um, in different scenarios. So mobile devices like phones, we may see with just about any information worker. We've got a lot of folks that, you know, they'll they'll check email at home on the couch. You know, now we don't have to get our laptops out and VPN in and right. all of that noise. Um, we see tablets a lot out in things like manufacturing plants, folks that are, are in the field. And now we've got this ability to have internet access 
out on the plant floor and we can take Wi-Fi with us when we're out on the field. And so these are game changers for them. We now have forms that we can have filled out while they're in the middle of the plant floor and filter all that back into a SharePoint list, Power BI reporting off of that. Those are really big, important things that are happening that are coming in from mobile tablets and and phone devices and things like that. So um, I think that's been a pretty big push here in the last year or two. I appreciate that. And Stephanie, give me one moment here for this very important message. Security is the most important thing you can do to keep your company alive. But are you doing everything you can? A recent survey showed that over 57% of businesses still have users with local administrator rights. Stop the running with scissors behavior and take away those admin rights. But when you do, how will you re-enable your users to install their own printers and fonts, install some of their own applications, and bypass pesky UAC prompts? If you've got hundreds or thousands of desktops to manage, you're going to love the superpowers of Policy Pack. Elevate standard user rights when needed, block malware and unknownware, and get out of the local admin business. If you haven't looked at Policy Pack and you have more than 20 domain joined and or non-domain joined machines, then you're missing out. Check out Policy Pack at policypack.com for real-world problem-solving demos, plus a way for you to try it out yourself. Policy Pack software, securing your standards. And we're back. It's Richard Campbell, Run As Radio. I'm talking to Stephanie Donahue about taming the hoarders. So is it hard to identify a hoarder? Is that, are they obvious? Like, what, what do you look for that you recognize you've got data hoarding going on? Well, you can pretty much assume that everyone's a hoarder um, <laughs> in some fashion, right? right. Um, I think it's not a matter of identifying who, it's a matter of identifying where the habit is. Right. And, you know, my own picture is in the slide deck when I do this presentation at conferences. Um, I tend to be someone who, uh, I, you know, I have email and I would create folders in my email. And despite my good habits in trying to save attachments out to SharePoint, I would still keep those emails and file them away. Sure. And, you know, so I, I even had to be called out on it a little bit. Why are you keeping everything in email if you're putting it all into SharePoint? And I don't have a good answer for that. <laughs> yeah. well, and it does help so, if the tools are, you know, you, you see, you're starting to see in Office 365 the ability that even when you put an attachment to a file from SharePoint into a, into an email, it flips into a link. So yes. that you literally, the tool is sort of pushing you down that, you know, correct path of don't send the file, send a link to the file so that we have the version control and all those good things. Because it used to be pretty clunky to be able to do that. I create an email, then I got to go find what that URL is, and I got to navigate out, I got to find the folder, and then the the document. So now that they've made that all real easy with the share buttons, we see a a big increase in usage of, quote unquote, doing it the right way and and sharing links instead. Um, But, you know, the other things we see a lot, busy desktops, lots of icons on the desktop. we see um, people still using file shares and, you know, maybe just not wanting to share things. The finance groups are probably the worst, right? We've got folks that just, they're afraid of putting things into the cloud, payroll information. You've got to be really careful with, you know, um, smaller the company, the more lenient they are with where that goes. Um, but the funniest story I have on, you know, looking for hoarders um, and, and I can share it. I don't know if you do blogs with your podcast, but I could share a picture of this. Oh, yeah. Um, 
<laughs> but a woman had a color-coded post-it note system on the back of her laptop. It, it was literally like um, different colors and all of her tasks on on what was probably 20 or 30 post-it notes on the, the back side of her laptop. And her security system was like this white piece of paper that went over it. Um, <laughs> and so I just, you know, it was one of those moments where I was like, I have to talk to this person. We're at the airport. And she just, you know, she said, I don't have a better system. This is how I get my job done. Right. And that's, that's what people do. Like, that's what we're looking for. Like, what are those? And, you know, that's an extreme example, but yeah, how many people still have post-it notes on their desktop? Yeah, quite a few, probably. So those are the scenarios we're really looking for, and some are obvious, like like the post-it note scenario, but some are less obvious. And and turn, you really have to kind of sit with people and get to know who they are and how they work to kind of pull some of those things out. And and every work culture is different, but you will find hoarders in every corner of every business. I got to think that one of the arguments they make is that I don't trust the search, that I've tried to find things before and I can't find them. This I can find. Yes. And it's, I don't trust the search. Someone's going to overwrite my work if Mm -hmm. I put it somewhere. You know, introducing things, them to things like version control is a game changer for that. Um, and, And also the speed. We've also heard, well, it takes too long to, you know, load it from the cloud or from the website. Right. And I just prefer to open it from my desktop. I get that one from executives. Sure. Pretty often. So, you know, there's a mindset shift too, and I can wait three extra seconds for my document to load if it means we could maybe do co-authoring and I could have six people in the document at once. Um, so we're kind of doing some trade-offs there too and, and talking them through that. I got to think showing version control and like accidentally deleting the file and saying, hey, look, I deleted the file. This should be a panic, but look, it's how easy to get it back. Or I'll destroy this paragraph and save it out. Normally it'd be lost, but that oh, we can drop back to the previous version. There it is. So the, you, you just take, a, you know, showing people the end, it's like showing the undo button from back in the day. The most amazing thing. It's like now you can't lose anything if it's there. You lose it all the time if you store it on your desktop. Yeah, and you even have the autosave now. If, yeah. if you've not the most recent version of Office, you have autosave. You don't even have to click the save button. I mean, we go back. Uh, we had a woman once who said, I lost three hours of work one time. And I'm like, oh, you didn't even you didn't even hit save once in three hours. You know, they, they even take care of that for you now. You yeah. don't even have to think about it. It's just saving right back out into SharePoint or Teams. So, you know, all of those things that you used to have to worry about, check in, check out, you don't have to worry about now with co-authoring. Um, so we've made it really easy for us to get our stuff out there, to make sure it's protected um, and, and to make it convenient for everyone involved that's, that's working on it. So part of this is just that the tools really have improved. And so you, the, the, a lot of these past arguments, and I would just wonder how much of this stuff is old scars. 10 years ago, I saved something to a file server like you told me to do, and then we never found it again. I don't know if I saved it wrong, if it got overwritten, if it actually got deleted. Like, nobody actually knows what happened. It just disappeared. And that is their belief from then on. If it's not on my desktop, it doesn't exist. Yeah. And it's a combination of the the older products, the legacy products being a little bit clunky. Um, mm-hmm. But also, sometimes there is a lack of training that right. happens when this stuff gets rolled out. It's like we spend all this time on implementation and making sure that the the application itself works. And then we kind of drop off a ledge when it comes to making sure users understand how to take advantage of the tools that are there. Um, so we, we do like to see a lot of mentoring happen as well um, to kind of help that mindset for the user 
Um, cause it's, it's very easy for them to say, well, it just doesn't work. Right. When, uh, when you actually sit down with them, you're like, the button's right here. <laughs> <laughs> and they go, oh, I didn't see it. Right. Yeah. yeah. They, they're not familiar. It's not their fault. They just, they need more time with the tool. Sure. So yeah, going yeah. back and revisiting things with users is super important. Too. Well, the story you told about teams, you know, how many times have we seen a CMS system get implemented a round of training and you come back three months later and just nothing's been done in it. It's exactly yeah. the state it was when you walked out the door. To, to, to come back to something and they're like, let me show you all the ways we're using this. It's like, wow, what happened? Or often, they, yeah. I, I mean, I don't want to be too extreme there. There's a small group of people that are still trying to feed the CMS solution, but the vast majority are still not using it. And it just never hits that, that synergistic moment where it becomes the default place to look. Yeah, that critical mass yeah. to move them forward. Yeah. Yeah, there's got to be a tough one to push people over on. Now, you find someone hoarding how do you decompose this? Like, how, this is probably valuable information that others need to share. Like, is there really a process to to sort of get it out into the bigger system? Well, we we do kind of a mapping process, so it depends on what type of behavior the user has. So, we hear a thousand excuses, right? There, there's a bunch, and we I, I take if you're familiar with Dave Ramsey, he has um, what is it like the twelve steps to financial success, baby steps to financial success. It's like, you don't go big time. You don't try to roll it all out at once. You take each little piece of it and and you help them make progress towards that next step. Right. So it, it, for your most difficult users that just shut down and just don't want to use it, do something as simple as hitting the sync button in SharePoint so that they have an Explorer view. And at least if they're saving documents down to the desktop, they can you know, do it in a way that still feels familiar to them. At least get it into SharePoint where it's backed up, right? You can still do workflows as long as they're saving it into that, that Explorer view version of SharePoint. Um, and then you build from that. Well, what's the next step, right? What can we do to get them into OneDrive? How do we get them sharing from OneDrive to get rid of Dropbox? Right. Um, so we look at it as kind of a phased process. Where do we start based on the behavior they have and then continue to build on it piece by piece? And different people will be in different stages. Um, different departments will work at different levels than others. And what we try to understand is let's meet them where they're at. Let's get them a better solution than what they have, but let's not make the expectation so great that they feel overwhelmed that they're not going to do it at all. Right. And I, I got to think as long as someone's got a copy of that document in SharePoint, having a copy on the desktop is just not that big of a deal, as long as it's in the system. As long as it's syncing both ways, right? Yeah. You don't have those scenarios where my laptop dies, everything's gone. Yes. I mean, we live in an environment now where, and this happened to me, right? My Surface totally shut down, yep. couldn't get it to boot. I, I went into the store, they gave me a new one. I logged in, everything syncs back over. I have a couple applications to install and I'm done. Yeah. That is that is the ideal scenario. You've got to get your users just baseline. That's where they need to be. Well, I'm just, I'm believing that's even possible. I think most of them simply live in fear that if this machine ever goes, my career is over. And yeah. to, to say, it really doesn't have to be. We can make you a new machine in a day. It's not that big right. of a deal. Yeah, absolutely. I just don't know that, it, I don't know that they believe. I think it's very challenging to, to all that. Uh, 
What about the search mechanisms? Like, what do you trust to be able to find things well? I think this, you know, 365 has come a long way mm-hmm. in, in terms of being able to find what you need. I mean, we've we've gone from it. Everybody wants Google search, right? I think that's kind of the Google's great. So that's what they want at work right? Um, or what they think they want at work. Um, when in actuality, we have um, kind of a, a more personal need in terms of, what I'm searching for, I, sh- I need more relevant information to surface for me based on who I am, based on my role in the organization. And so when we look at implementing for a company, we start all the way down at the persona. Mm-hmm. Who are the different groups in your organization? How do we fill in your user profile right. so that that information is relevant? And then that allows twofold, right? You can create search results that are targeted um, and you can do that purposefully. But then you also have the Office uh, Microsoft Graph in the background that uh, kind of learns from you and, and will present to you in SharePoint more relevant search results in your new modern sites. So even if you just click on the search box in a modern site, it's going to give you results before you even start typing. And those results are what documents did you look at recently? Who are you connected with that's working on stuff? Um, and who are the people that you might search for? And, and so we're really in a space now where it's, it's, it's even better than Google search because it knows who you are. It knows what meetings you've had. It knows who you're connected to in the org chart. And the more of that user profile you have filled in, the more relevant that information gets. Um, so I, I really think that, you know, the next phase of this with search, we've moved from just refinement to truly relevant results. And now Microsoft, you know, Ignite kind of announced to us, that's going to be more of a desktop thing, like a global 365 search, um, because we do have so many different places to look for things now. Um, So all of that becomes this user profiles and all of that becomes really important moving forward. So I think it's a pretty exciting space to keep an eye on um, because that's really, I think it's a pretty big deal to be able to go to one place at some point in search across everything and still manage to get a relevant result out of it. Well, I think it's something Susan Hanley said on the show that I mentioned the comment from that. It's like the, your intranet is not the internet and you don't want it to be the internet. It is a more private space and it needs to know more about a fewer number of people. Uh, and it's interesting, these new tools that are showing up in Office 365 and that are just not available anywhere else, like the graph, like Delve, like that, that are really about pulling that kind of information out from within your organization so that folks can find the things they're looking for. I just think we lose track of that, that though, you know, you only think about Office 365 as, okay, it's cloud SharePoint and cloud Office, not all the other pieces around it that seem to be the, the really compelling bits these days. It's a, it's a fun time to be doing this stuff. It's just uh, fascinating to, uh, to try and untangle these hoarders. And certainly, Living in the exchange side of things, we've to tackle a multi-gigabyte mailbox and realize it's literally multiple versions of the same files <laughs> going back years. And they're yeah. valuable. They really are. We just have to extract them and put them in a place where somebody else can get to them. Yeah. And, you know, I with email too, you're keeping a version. If you're keeping your emails and keeping those attachments and then saving them to SharePoint, you know, I mean, you have 
how many versions of that in Exchange, but then you're saving the same document in SharePoint. You're kind of punishing your organization because you're now literally doubling the storage needs for your organization simply because you want it to be convenient. Um, And and again, if it's in your inbox, no one's going to find it a year later when you get promoted and the person who took your job needs that info. It's just, it's not a good scenario. Yeah. No, I've definitely been on the phone with an IT guy who this person has now left. And so they kind of took over the mailbox to put it in the dormant state and just realized how much important business information had been hidden away in there for years and years and years. And that, and, and they couldn't, he can't delete it. Like, you don't want to throw this away. We have to untangle this. How do we untangle it? It's like working out. It's a, it's a, you know, like you can't just get on the treadmill once and, nope. and work out and, and be done, right? It's something you go back every single day. And, and so for those of us who've been, you know, I've been in IT almost 20 years. Yeah. I've been using email forever and it's still a bad habit of mine. You know, you have to get up every day and purposefully say, I'm going to manage my inbox and I'm going to make sure that my conversations are happening in Teams and that my documents are in SharePoint. Yeah. Um, because it's that important. It's important to my team. It's important for my role. And, and it's going to make my life easier, even if it doesn't necessarily feel like that up front. Yeah, I wonder if we have to start thinking more in our compensation models around this about, you know, we often talk about in you know, someone's review about being a good team member. And I got to think that part of that is that you are adding to this repository of information about the business, that that hoarding is no, is a detriment to the team and so should be accounted as such in your review. And that's a huge issue right now. If you think about the the baby boomers leaving, mm-hmm. um, you know, that and knowledge walking honestly, out the door. Really, yeah, knowledge is walking out the door. Um, and for those of us like the the younger age group, job hops. Everybody's sure. you know, in a job for two years, four years, seven years. Um, but you don't have those people that stay for the lifetime of their career anymore. And so it's so critical um, for those things to be able to function once you're gone and moving on. And and the hope is that you're getting promoted and you're doing awesome things. And hopefully you can leave the path behind you a little better than you found it. And and that's part of it too. And you mentioned this early in the show about the younger generation seems to have an instinct for this. I think part of that is that career mindset of I'm only here for a little while. And the, it is what I make and what I leave behind that's going to be the primary resource. That's where my value actually lies. Absolutely. That's very, very interesting. And, and it's, it's interesting to think all the way to this is a conversation I need to have at the executive level with as an IT person saying, here's the way we should be compensating people. It has to include this. And we have a little time. Like the, the baby boomer thing's not a, not a trivial thing. In the next 10 years, we're going to lose a ton of knowledge if we don't get effective at having those folks towards the end of their career laying these things down in a form where others can learn from them. You're not going to argue with me on that, huh? <laughs> no, no arguments here. I just, it's, it's a complicated problem though, right? Because in order to do that, they that generation does have to accept some of the new ways of storing that sure. data. And the second challenge is, you know, we've kind of hopped from one type of media to the next, and we've yeah. done all these legacy um, to more modern migrations, and and half the time we're abandoning content to make it easier to migrate. And yeah. I, I think that challenge um, still sits in front of us as far as how much to keep, you know, what's valuable, what's not valuable, because we are sitting in a bunch of... Um, you look at any file share, right? It's been around for 20 years. Yeah. There's great content in there, but there's also like log files and somebody's kids' pictures that 
lots of crap five years ago (laughs) there's a lot of stuff to sort through yeah yeah it's a fascinating problem stephanie really fun to talk to you Uh, where can folks learn more about you where can we find you online uh, resources we can tap. So you can find me on Twitter at Steph K Donahue. That's S T E P H K Donahue. And uh, of course, you can find me on LinkedIn, uh, Stephanie Donahue. Actually, I think that's my LinkedIn slash Steph K Donahue. I try to be consistent there. So basically, if you search for Steph K Donahue, you'll come up with find all it. my social feeds. So <laughs> awesome. And we will see you at Ignite. Absolutely. I'll be around at Ignite. Um, I'm also speaking at a number of events here coming up. I'm at uh, SP TechCon in Austin in February. And of course, I'll be at the uh, North American Collabs Summit in Branson in Missouri in March. So those are the next two things coming up. Excellent. Stephanie Donahue, thanks for coming on Run As Radio. Thanks for having me. And we'll talk to you next week on Run As Radio.